0: Welcome to the Script and Style Show, the web show where we talk about web development with the people that make it happen. Today's episode is brought to you by TrackJS JavaScript Error Monitoring. Know when errors hit your website with the context to find and fix bugs fast with TrackJS. Start your free trial today at trackjs.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the Script and Style Show, the web show where we talk about web development and the people that make it happen. I'm Todd Gardner from Track.js, JavaScript error monitoring, and my co-host David Walsh, creator of the popular and ever-present on Google blog, DavidWalsh.name. David Walsh. How's it going today, David? I'm great. How are you? Good, good. You, are you great? I mean, you were gone last week. What was up? I'm greater. Um, great-er. I, I have to apologize to all of our... Uh, Audience,
1: as well as yourself, uh, for having to cancel last week. I was all six of you. Bye. <laughs> I was on like deathbed, cold. I my throat. I sounded like a mix of Louis Armstrong, and the sound your dog makes when you grab their tail and pull. Right. It was just I couldn't speak words. I needed to go to the hospital. It was terrible. But I feel great today. I'm excited to be here. And we're going to have a good show today.
0: Well, I'm I glad you're feel feeling it. better. So we have a guest on our show today. That we do. We have uh, Ms. Jennifer Wadella joining us on the show today. Jennifer is a JavaScript developer, the champion of PubCom Sydney, an internationally renowned speaker, and the mastermind behind Casey Women in Tech, and a number of other fantastic organizations. So thanks so much for joining us on the show.
2: Thanks for not calling me Jen, like Lars does
0: is well i mean i swear i've seen jen on some materials
2: uh if you have it's because i like haven't gotten through my threats to break kneecaps if they call me jen so
0: got gotcha well i'm glad my kneecaps will not be broken today
2: (laughs) you normally get one warning one warning all right well i I didn't even say it and i still got a warning yes (laughs) i'm just gonna like circumvent it right there just cutting it off all right
0: Well, so we like to start off our conversations by learning a little bit about how you got into this field, like your superhero origin story. What got you into software or what got you into the web? What got you interested in this world?
2: MySpace.com. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, I feel like that's the pathway of a lot of women who um, have, like, are my age. Is we were on the internet and we were building like MySpace and Zanga pages and building layouts and putting like sparkling stars dropping from JavaScript um, to you know express our inner teenage angst. Um, and so that's how I got started. And then I was like a smart kid, so I had like free periods and would just get bored and build geocities websites for my halo clan yeah yeah
1: <laughs>
2: yeah um and so went to school for graphic design and business management thought i wanted to be a creative director graduated the economy was shit nobody would hire me um and i could develop websites as well as build them and so then i started like building more robust websites than my my halo clan page um <laughs> what was
0: what was your halo clan
2: um well for a while, I was in a clan called the Trojan Killers. Um, and then I was in a clan called the Bells, which was with a couple women I had met. And then. Um Actually, like, what's hilarious is there was there's this huge clan called PMS, formerly known as the Psychotic Manslayers. They're now Pandora's Mighty Soldiers, um, but you had to audition to get in. They were like the best fucking chick clan out there. And I auditioned, and I remember it was like the day of my 18th birthday that I made it into their elite alpha squad, which was like their best Halo 2 squad, and it was the best birthday ever. That's awesome, nerd. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> not, not not at all. I had a uh, a StarCraft clan and a Counter-Strike Ooh. clan, but we didn't have like these cool sounding names. Like we were intentionally trying to just be ridiculous. We were the Happy Puppy Clan.
2: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs>
0: that, that's a that's an ominous menacing name. Well, because you feel really bad about yourself if you just lost to the Happy Puppy
2: Clan. It's valid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you are built you're building websites for people. Yep. Uh, so you, you migrated from like creative director to, you had to build full websites and then did you, did you love it or was it just a job?
2: Yeah. So I had, um, landed a couple, uh, like jobs at mom and pop shops. So I'd typically be the only house, like in-house developer designer. And it was like back in the IE8 days. And when I'd get really excited about like fixing a CSS bug in IE8, they're like, what are you talking about? Like just no context or understanding of what I was doing. Um, and then hop, skip, and a jump. A recruiter got a hold of me, found out my salary, and was like, "Oh, sweetie," <laughs> and uh, talked me into applying for a like developer only role at a big marketing agency. And so I was a little intimidated, but did it. And then like freaking loved it. Loved the people that I interviewed with. Like loved the team I got landed on. And then like never looked back. And I also haven't had to fight with a uh, a customer about making the logo bigger. Uh, so. Uh, I spent a lot of time when I was designing on that website, clients from hell um, for the solidarity.
0: Yeah, I understand. I, uh, I interacted with, with um, like that kind of web consulting for a while. I did that for a while. And then there's a bunch of people in the area who do that. And I, you know, I, it, it can be pretty, pretty challenging. You did that for a while, Mm -hmm. David, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I did. I had spent almost five years doing said thing. And while I'm not the design type, you know, I, they even had me be the point of contact for the customer. Right. And so it, it like, it's impossible. I want, I just want to code. That's all. I just yeah. want to geek out, nerd out. I don't want it to ta- take a, a to...
0: special kind of personality to be able to like patiently talk to a customer who has no idea how the technology works oh. and be able to translate that.
1: Well, the thing is, I was like good at talking to people. I just didn't want to do it. <laughs> I wanted, I like, I wanted to be locked in a room with just, you know, a website to work on, none of the other stuff. So I, I feel your pain with that
0: regard. So that, so that was you too, Jennifer. You, you just, you hated interacting with the customers. Moved to a full dev role and haven't looked back.
2: Yeah, and I don't even think it was like the hating interacting with them at that point in my life. Although me as an adult, I look back and I'm like, fuck no, never again. <laughs> um. <laughs> But yeah, it was just an opportunity and then that was my first time working alongside like other developers and it just like poof, blew my mind. Like people who get me. Hooray. And then never looked back.
0: <laughs> Finally you could commiserate on that IE8 CSS bug and yes, people and were also, like, "Oh, oh, I know what you're talking about."
2: And, and they stuff. get my memes and my Reddit jokes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the internet.
2: Oh god.
0: <laughs> so lately you've jumped on uh, on React development, yeah? Yes. So React's been like kind of the new hotness for some time it's kind of the old hotness at this point. Yeah. What, what what was keeping you away from doing React up until now?
2: Um, Mostly because I'm in Kansas City and Kansas City is super .NET heavy and they love pairing Angular with that. And so it's just like most of the projects I've been on have been Angular. um, And because like I do a million things like speak and run a nonprofit, and try and work out and brew kombucha, um, that leaves limited time for exploring new libraries. But um, I'm on fun employment right now, which is like my time where I like go through my tech bucket list of everything I want to play with and uh, React was at the top.
0: Yeah, Angular definitely seems to have a have the have its hooks into that big enterprise kind of space. It mm-hmm. I mean it's very, it's very reminiscent of like old net, old Java like web development frameworks. I think they just rock towards like, ooh, crazy levels of inheritance. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway. So now's the time to for you to play with React. You're you're fun employed, looking yep. for your next thing, and you're just trying to like see what's going on in the world. So so what what do you like about it?
2: Um, so I actually like just wrote a blog post about this, which is funny because I I started building with Gatsby because I'm lazy as fuck. Right. And I don't want to like do anything from scratch because it's 2018 and we're way past that. Like give me a generator. Um, but i really like a lot of um just like the way the components um are put together it's just like if you're coming from angular land okay you create a new component you got to inject it here you got to inject it here you got to make her all make sure all your dependencies are in line and i feel like all that just does not exist from the point that i've been dealing with it in react right now it's just like i've got a website up in a day and it was amazing fast so that's cool um But I've also been getting more into like performance optimization and stuff like that. Again, it hasn't been a priority at some of my past clients uh, or projects that I've been working on, but just everything is there and ready and implementable. And it's just like, so yeah. the, the ecosystem
0: around yeah, React ecosystem. is just there to support you and, and get you what you want. what you Well, I
2: would do. say more Gatsby than React at this point. The React ecosystem is, like, a little bit overwhelming. You, like, you walk in and you're like, like, what is going on? I'm so far behind. But, like, picking a point um to get started on and then being able to expand is my preferred approach to learning new tech. So, because um, if you just, like, type, how do I write React? It's just like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes.
0: So let's talk about your project then. So you're trying to solve a project or a problem. What is your project right now?
2: Um, So I just finished refactoring my personal website. So it was like,
0: that's, um, that's JenniferWadella.com.
2: Yeah, JenniferWadella.com. And um, I had not have a website for years just because I was being, like, obnoxious. And I was like, I don't need a website. My good work will speak for itself. And then, you know, Jennifer, car- that's not how car- marketing works, you dumbass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, the, car- the
0: carpenters' children have no shoes kind of thing.
2: Right. Um, and so finally I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll build Coppler. a website. I just threw something up really quickly um, on uh, Jekyll, which is just you know static markdown site generator. And it was fine, but I just kind of like left it at that and dumped stuff into it. Um, and as I joke about, because I was like too lazy to design or do typography, I just threw a bunch of images in there to make it look better. But of course that makes it slow. Um, and so anyway, took that monstrosity and refactored it um, using a Gatsby starter pack.
1: So like wh- between Jekyll and then Gatsby, like what are some of the advantages that you found when you made that move or some of the stuff that you learned?
2: Um, well a couple of the different things are uh I feel like Gatsby is just built for like front-end development tools. Like I go in and I get started with Jekyll and like if I nest more than two CSS selectors, like I'm a hot fucking mess until I get less or something <laughs> to deal with. And so it's just like Uh, it took me a while to like get that implemented and get that all set up. And then like, you know, they're not set up with minifying builds or like, they're not just Jekyll as at its base is not set up for modern web development and the way we're used to dealing with it. Um, And so that's why it was really nice to jump into Gatsby and have all these tools at my disposal, which aren't things that I feel like I should have to spend a lot of energy or effort on implementing because they're so standard. Like, no, it should just be something I do really quickly instead of having to like pull a million different things together for something that I consider basic. Um, and so it, it was nice from that standpoint. And again- what, it, what
0: are some of those things? What do you consider basic that it just does out of the box for you?
2: Um, so like- like just bundling is a big deal because um, obviously like I'm going to be writing CSS and doing stuff. So having something that's bundling and minifying right off the bat is fantastic. Um, but other really random things like uh, an easy way to do handle SEO. So if I want to like have a general layout, but I want to be changing in different like titles and keyword tags based on my blogs and content. Like I did it in, in Jekyll and it was fine but I did it in like a fraction of the time in Gatsby because React Helmet was already set up and ready to go. Um, Trying to think what else I really loved. Image optimization was fantastic because I didn't even fucking bother to attempt that with my Jekyll site. Um, Just using uh, Gatsby image was like handled everything except it doesn't handle GIFs, which is really, really bad because I love my reaction GIFs. So I'm a little salty about that. Like I understand why, but I'm, I love GIFs. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh I'm trying to think what else I liked a lot. Um being able to have everything in, in JSON versus YAML because like JavaScript kid. Um <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of cool, like if I wanted to like dump in my speaking or any press articles or anything like that, I could just throw it in a JSON file um and render it via uh GraphQL using um like the JSON transformer for that where it like just magically pulls all my shit as long as my um I don't have any typos or missing commas. <laughs>
0: I need
1: to tr- I need to try something like have you tried something like Gatsby before? I think the closest that I ever got Todd was like create react app, but I know that's it's not a static site generator, but it does get you up and running with React. Like what what sort of stuff have you worked with? Well,
0: I I've, I've, I've used app. a lot of Jekyll and a little bit of Gatsby. Um I like all of the sites that I maintain are written in Jekyll today, like um TrackJS.com, the doc site, my personal site, PubConf site, they're all written in, in Jekyll. Um, and I've looked at, at Gatsby a few times. Um, I just have this dirty little secret that I don't actually write much JavaScript on the front. <gasps> like, I, I I write a lot of HTML and it and, and, and Sass and, <laughs> and then just ship it. And it seems to work okay. And then I, I, I dip my toe in Gatsby and I'm like, ooh. Ooh, this is far too much JavaScript.
2: <laughs> well, then read my blog about all the stupid shit I did the first time around, so you won't have to.
0: <laughs> I will. I will. So so is it is it all, you know, honeymoons and roses with Gatsby, or is there stuff you don't like about it?
2: Um, I haven't hit anything I don't like about it, but I feel like, you know, anytime you're in the static space, it's like... I mean the most complex thing like I have one stateful component in it and it's like my fucking toggle nav right for a mobile view. Um, so I mean I feel like I haven't gotten enough into it to run into anything other than like somebody needs to prioritize optimizing my gifs.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah just that saying. that's that's uh that that is <laughs> a problem. I I have this uh the tiny png plugin into into uh my IDE and I just have to like run every image like six times through that before I publish it to get it to appropriate size. I know. I wish it was
1: was automatic, but. Gansby is open source though. So that's something that someone could Mm -hmm. jump into and and create a fix Jennifer's GIFs.
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, or, like, I was kind of talking uh, with some of the guys that helped contribute to that, and anytime I was, like, having a concern, they're like, hey, if this isn't good enough, submit a pull request, like, make this better, make it more readable for somebody, like, super new to the ecosystem. So, um, I love how, like, they do all the community stuff, right? Like, React people, are like, well, how do you not know this already? And it's like, well, because I've been doing other things with my life. Like, what do I fucking say here? Um, <laughs> but, like, the Gatsby community is like, yes, learn, be better together, which I'm all about. So.
0: So Gatsby uses React to Mm -hmm. render HTML on the server during build time to generate a static site. Yes. So is React involved at the client side when it's done? Like the static assets that you ship down, is React still in it?
2: Um, I mean, I think uh, a little bit from like an interactive point, but... I mean, the core um, goal of this is like you're rendering these full HTML pages to your client. And so that's really good for like SEO and crawling. Um, or if you're like me and just make a lot of dumb typos, you can never ship a stupid error that you'd have to go to track.js to, <laughs> to, to be. A... <laughs> oh, did we find out why it really doesn't use it? Because <laughs> no, uh, my I compiler just... will blow up right away. And I'm like, oh, Jennifer, you dumbass. Look what you did now. <laughs> but nobody else sees it just me and my console.
0: So, is there is there any differences or have you run into any issues with running react during the build time that's maybe a weird thing versus running it on the on the client side?
2: Um, yeah, there were a couple weird things. And I, I like I feel like I'm not intentionally doing this. But one of the things I got hung up on was I um, put some of my style sh- styles in a weird place. And it was fine in development mode. And then I tried to deploy and shit hit the fan. Um. So yeah.
0: So, so where did you put them? Like what, what happened? What was... Um,
2: So I had like, I'm JavaScript kid, like coming from Angular, um, you've got kind of like your, your entry component where you can put your base style sheet and then you can import your other style sheets, not a big deal. So I'm just like, hmm, what's the top level um, JavaScript file I can find because we're putting everything in JavaScript, right? And inject my style sheet there. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I was using a layout component that unfortunately um, I didn't realize was getting loaded, um, loaded and unloaded on every page. And so it caused some wonkiness where my styles weren't appearing I'd want them to, and it was doing that sub- subsequent reloading um, instead of placing them where they should have lived in the first place, which was the um, Gatsby browser file. Um, so, yeah.
0: Gotcha. Y'all. Yes. That is weird. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I don't know. And it was just like, I was like, how did I miss this in the documentation? But um, I'm also just like, code first, read second. Um, so,
1: I, all I all of us places. all of us great developers are.
2: Um, <laughs> thank you. So
1: switching gears a little bit, let's talk about Casey Women in Tech. Mm-hmm. How did it come about? Um what do you guys do? Just tell us a little bit about it.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um so it's been around for about 5 years now. I think I started it in February of 2013. Um and so part of it was because I had landed, like, my first full-time Big Kit developer job, really got immersed in the tech community, and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing, I want to find a way to give back, but also, like, where are all the other ladies at? Um, and nothing against any of the guys, like, in the community or that I worked with, they were all great human beings, but, like, there was just something missing, you know? Um <clears throat> So I had this idea to start like a nonprofit to get more women in in tech um, to get to know each other. I thought like we were going to have this like kickoff meetup where like all these other like women engineers were going to send it was going to be like puppies and rainbows and sunshine and we were going to bond and talk and that's not at all what happened. Um, We had a launch party and like I think about 300 people showed up and we had everybody from like educators wanting to bring code to their classrooms to women wanting to like get into the tech industry and having no idea how, Um, but not a lot of women who were like me. Um, And so that really shaped the trajectory of our organization. And so um, we've always been really responsive to the needs of our community. So one of the first things we launched was a chapter of Coder Dojo, which is a global nonprofit that teaches kids um, how to code for free. And we do K through 12, um, all kiddos, regardless of gender identity, um, because we want this idea that coding is for anyone, right? Like it's not weird, no matter who you are. Um, And then launched a couple programs out of that, um, because we would have really unfortunate responses from parents about Coder Dojo sometimes, where they'd say... Oh well, um, you know I don't think my daughter would like coding, but I'll bring my son, and we're like, okay, like, (laughs) what do you do? Well, you brand it, you make it pink, you make it girly, and all of a sudden the parents think it's girl appropriate. At the end of the day, I still have eight-year-old girls like deploying their cupcake websites um, to GitHub pages via the command line, so I don't give a shit what color it is. Um, But anyway, uh, and then from there we launched Coding in Cocktails, which is our series for um, adult women wanting to get into. Um, Either like front end development is a career path or maybe they're in the tech industry years ago and, you know, took some time off or whatever and have come back in and gone like, what the fuck did you people do to JavaScript? Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And so that's a really fun series. Uh, We run monthly networking events that are kind of like tech agnostic. So they might cover BSA tracks or data science tracks. Um, And then a variety of workshops like Rango Girls or Django Girls, excuse me, will probably be adding NG Girls this year. Um, So, yeah.
1: So this isn't just like a every Tuesday night meetup. This is a huge thing where you're getting children involved. You're bringing people um, back into tech. Mm-hmm. How how can you manage all of this stuff?
2: I actually do a talk on that. It's called hacking your work-life blank balance to take over the world. Um, and so I kind of talk about how I manage all this. Because um, like with Casey Witt, we're an entirely volunteer-run organization. None of us are paid. Um. So I have about 50 people on our team that are running day-to-day operations. We've got teams built around our programs um, that are making sure those execute. We've got a team who's managing our social media, who's do- handling strategic partnerships. Um, so a lot of it is just really good um, <clears throat> structure, excellent communication. Um, we're really committed to continuous improvement. We run retrospectives after every event we do um, and then take feedback and <clears throat> figure out how we can implement those changes to make programs better in the future. Um, so a lot of it is really about just building a really good culture of a team that is built to be effective, built to make things happen, um, but also prioritize work-life blank balance.
1: That's amazing. I, like I, one of the obvious issues right now in the tech industry is diversity. Um, what I heard, um, w- like, what are some of the ways that you've learned either throughout your career or through running this program that organizations can um, better incorporate? Diverse people and ensure that the um, that the attitude around everyone is is respect and inclusion.
2: Yeah, um, and I feel like that's really really hard because the first step is obviously empathy and understanding that um, just because. Someone else's experiences don't match their own doesn't make that other person's experiences invalid. And I feel like this is a struggle women have a lot is because like we get harassed all the time like and all this shit happens and guys are like, there's no way it happens that much. And then they switch email addresses with us for a day and we've all read that article, right? Um, So that first step is like empathy and understanding just because you don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Um, But then being willing to step up, call out bad behavior, but also understand that you really need to lead from the top and you can lead by example and by your actions. And so being very conscious and cognitive of the way your actions affect other people, I think goes a long way. Just having that level of introspection and realizing that um, what you do and the way it affects other people matters.
1: Yeah, I think that a lot could be learned <laughs> from that. I Like a lot of times you want to shorten it into don't be a douchebag, but it's obviously, <sighs> uh, it's obviously much, much more, uh, much more of an issue there. I'm, I find it really interesting. I think it's really cool that you try and bring kids in for some early coding lessons. I also feel like it's kind of sad that I'll bring my son, but not my daughter. Um, what are some of the first projects and concepts that you, that you try and impart on kids to sort of set them up to succeed uh, growing up as a coder?
2: Yeah. Um, so I'm really proud of everything we do at Coder Dojo. Like I, we are very cognitive, um, and conscious about everything we do. And so that program, um, we tried to make it as, um, learning level agnostic as we could, meaning you can come in if you've never written code before in your life and we'll get you started on scratch. Or we also wanted to um, serve like 14 year old kids that have gone through every computer class in their school and they're like, how do I get more? And their teachers are like, oh, I don't know what to tell you. Um, So we try and make sure we're serving that entire range. But the way we structure our sessions is they're three hours long, which is good enough for us to have a kickoff presentation, give them a lot of work time um, and then do presentations at the end. And so what we do is we always have a project prompt and this will be some sort of programming aspect, whether it's dealing with inputs or dealing with lists or using random or some sort of, um, or for loop, some sort of very like big picture programming concept. Um, and then the kids can use whatever tech stack they want. So we've got a lot of kiddos on scratch, but some of them upgraded to HTML, some are sc- JavaScript. We had a kid come in and he's like, I want to learn my And we're like, uh, okay, let's find a tutorial. Um, But so they can do anything they want. And as long as they're using whatever that lesson is in their presentation or their project, um, they can line up and and, um, get their presentation checked in to present. And because a big thing we're trying to do is um, teach more than just coding. Like coding is one part of it, but we want to create like really well-rounded developers, right? And so we want them to get up on stage and talk through their projects. And one of the questions we ask them is, what is the hardest thing you had to figure out? Because again, we want to create a generation of engineers that is not going to look for the next step in a the textbook. They're going to look for ways to like, you know, break through um, and figure out whatever they want to do. And we, we encourage that by having them discuss what was the hardest thing and having them realize that just because it was hard didn't mean they couldn't figure out how to do it. Um, and then as well as, you know, kids who are less advanced and then they can look at that and um, kind of have that aspect to it. Um, and we also have a junior mentor program that's integrated into this. So kiddos that have been, um, I'm trying to remember what our requirements are. I think they have to have attended six sessions and have at least one mastery badge, which is kind of like our, our progression um, tracking and they can become a junior mentor. And that means they get to come in early. Um, so before we, um, before everybody's there, so they help with set up, they get to interact with the older mentors um, and they help get kids seated. They help get them set up on Wi-Fi. They help get them started with their projects for the first part of the session. And then they can go and work on their own stuff. But that way we're building those leadership skills, pushing this idea of mentoring and building community. I'm very proud.
1: Yeah, you should be. That sounds amazing. Um, how can, how can people support you guys? How can we bring more attention to your organization and and add to it?
2: Absolutely. Um, so we always need donations. You can go to um dot org slash donate because we are trying to grow and bring on some staff because just we are growing and out of control. Um, Like we've had to move venues several times. Like people are like, why aren't there more women in tech? Our coding and cocktails classes for women like sell out every January with a wait list of like 80 plus women trying to get in. So like we just, we literally need brick and mortar space. And so donations can help us a lot. Um, We love sharing what we do. A lot of cities have reached out to us saying, Hey, we want to build the kind of community we have you have. We love having people come shadow our programs and seeing the way we do things and taking, um, you know, our hard-learned lessons back and implementing them in their own community. So, better together.
1: Awesome. Yep.
0: So, let's take this back for a moment. When we first started about your origin story, so much of like what you've done in tech has been centered around uh or influenced by gaming. Where did where did that all come from?
2: Uh God, I'm, try- like, I'm trying to remember. So my dad brought home a computer probably when I was like eight or nine. Um, I loved Wolfenstein from like the moment I played it. Um, <laughs> but I was so young that like it was scary, right? And I would have nightmares and wake up screaming. And my mom was fucking sick of like having to wake up in the middle of the night to go console me that she would just ground me from playing for like a week so she could sleep. I'd get ungrounded, go right back to playing it, rinse and repeat. Anyway um so i always loved those kind of games got into um counter-strike probably early high school um and then the xbox came out
0: what was what was the counter-strike you played i, pl- I played a lot of counter-strike in high school what, uh, what, what versions were you playing during
2: was it 1.6 okay. god it's been so long um Yeah, and then, like, but anyway, like, and Counter-Strike was fun, and I liked it, and I always played Postal Service in the background, too, so, like, anytime I play Postal Service now, I will get reminded of, like, (laughs) Counter-Strike (laughs) maps. Um... But yeah, no. So the Xbox came out, like one of my guy friends got one and like we played through the first couple maps of Halo and I was like fucking hooked and all my money went towards saving for my own damn Xbox and then I just played Counter-Strike like while saving up for my Xbox and then Xbox Live came out in Halo 2 and it was like, oof, hooked for life, baby. (laughs) Hooked for life. Yes.
0: And so you played so much Halo that you said you used to be a pro gamer. Yeah. So so what? tell us about that. What does that mean? What What is a pro gamer uh, for Halo? What, is th- what does that mean?
2: Okay, so like back in my day, because I feel like a lot of us were about the same age that came onto the circuit, because like Halo came out when we were probably like 14, 15, 16, 17, and like we're addicted, and that's what we did. Like we had LAN parties with our friends. Like that was our life, right? um and so xbox live came out which you know connected everybody on halo 2 so all of a sudden you're playing with people i i told you i auditioned for this this chick clan and got into like their top tier level and we would run drills we would run strategies like we had practice stuff like that and some of the girls had started going to tournaments at the time mlg was the big one Mm -hmm. um and mlg is still one of the most predominant ones on the circuit but um So I was like, this is amazing. I really want to do this. And so um, I got together with a couple of the women because like our Alpha Clan, there was probably... Uh, between like 18 and 30 of us is any given time it is people like rotated on and off um, and so like paired up with a couple of women who were in the alpha clan and we were like okay we're gonna do a team we're gonna register and we're gonna compete in mlg philly so i'm like 18 years old flying by myself to philadelphia my parents are like oh my god my daughter's meeting people from the internet uh, <laughs> <laughs> um and competed in my first tournament it was like hilarious and you know we're all like poor because we're not grown ass adults with like nice cushy software engineering jobs. Um, and so like there's six of us and we're crammed in a hotel room and we've pushed the two queen beds together. So we're like all sleeping across the beds and up all night, like practicing and playing Halo down in the lobbies. um, and then you go and compete. And so MLG at the time, um, was just phasing out Halo one into Halo two. And so I think, I can't remember if he competed in both at that tournament. Um, but so what happens is you go in and you do free for all, um, and depending on where your teammates rank in free for all depends on where you get put in the bracket and it's kind of like double, double elimination. Um, and I don't even remember how, like how well we did, but oh my gosh, it was so much fun. And so I started, um, you know, going to conferences or excuse me, not conferences, um, tournaments whenever I could, like we would drive to like MLG, um, Chicago or stuff that was close. Um, went to a couple other ones like world series of video games was another one. So we went to Louisville, we did Dallas for that one. And so, um, and the cool thing was because I was part of like this chick clan, um, we did get diversity sponsorship cause people were like, yay, more women in games. Like here's money to go to tournaments. And so we're like, hell yeah. Um, and so it was, it was a fun part of my life. And like, right as I was scaling out of it, cause I had to like pay attention in college and like fucking graduate. Um, like the, the 14 year olds, like at, that had come in um, had started doing really well and were like taking adderall's performance enhancing drugs and like you know what 14 year old boys are like right and so the conferences or the tournaments getting like kicked out of hotels because the 14 year olds are like trashing the place and anyway but yeah
0: i feel like that is a a phase that all all gamers go through is when you realize that you can't keep up with the yeah. 14, 15 year olds who literally can pour twelve hours a day into something.
2: Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh like, yeah, you don't have homework oh, or like, like anal college professors to deal with. Like
0: I have I have a job and things to do. I can't I can't play games that much anymore. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh. I mean, like some people had an early enough start. Like a lot of the um, early programmers were from Ohio, like the Ogre Twins, um, trying to think i think while she was from that area but they had all been landing halo one for like years and so they had the advantage of like this huge community to compete and get better against um even before xbl was a thing so anyway
0: so you you stopped doing it when you needed to like graduate it was was that it you just didn't have time to do it
2: yeah, it was kind of like, all right, I need to put on my big kid pants. Like, I'm probably not going to make, you know, enough money to ever do this professionally. Like, I need to graduate. I need to get into the real world. Um, and so that was part of it. But I mean, like, it's still like, I will hop on, like, Halo 5 and get on and spank some kids and talk shit. Like, I will do that every day for the rest of my life, probably. So well, as long as there's Halo and as long as frickin' 343 hasn't fucked it up too much.
1: I was always a Call of Duty guy. That was always my game.
2: yeah. But now that
1: I play um, PUBG, I always get the Walshy. Is that you? Because apparently this awesome Halo player's real name was David Walsh. Yeah. So usually I get like, are you that David Walsh in the tech community? And then (laughs) I try and play games to get away from tech. And I get hit with the Walshy thing all the time.
2: (laughs) That's hilarious. Um, Actually, like people ask me about my Twitter handle all the time, which is like OMG It's Fetty. And so my gaming handle was PMS PMSFediken, and nobody could ever say that, so everybody just called me Fetty. Um, But that was the thing at the time, is, like, everybody would want to play with the pro players, and so the pro players all had alt accounts, and they'd be something like, OMG, is that the real ogre? OMG, is that the real walshy? And so, yeah.
0: It's always sad to say, no, I'm not that walsh. Have you ever said, yes, you are that real walsh? And just... let Well, not... I don't know how to answer that. Week, <laughs> That's a yes. Week,
1: last week, <laughs> so last week I was playing and somebody said to me, oh, David, I love your blog. But I think that like there was no way they would have known it was me. Yeah. So I actually got hit with the real David Walsh where I'm usually hit with the other David Walsh. And I did. I just I was frozen. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. It was hard. Um, but... One another thing that I've experienced in the gaming community, especially with first-person shooters, it seems like the community can be really toxic, or, or certain player, uh, random partners can be incredibly toxic. Uh, how how do you deal with with that sort of community? Sometimes, especially being as you mentioned, being um, a woman in the gaming community, that that's even more unfriendly um how did how did you deal with it how did you sort of come to terms with that was sort of the way things were um in gaming
2: um so yeah because like i'm on xbox live i don't remember if i was like somewhere in the 14 to 16 range right and i got told to suck a dick more times than i can even count (sighs) before i was even sexually active um and so like For a long time, I would get so mad and so upset when I'd hear shit like, oh, girls can't play video games, you shouldn't be on here, you know, and I would just, I would get so mad, and um, the clan I was playing at the time was, like, a bunch of, like, burly dudes, and they were, they were a bunch of assholes, but they would stand up for me, and they would fucking fire back, and they taught me how to trash talk, so, um, (laughs) And I was, like, such an innocent little, like, I was super religious. Like, I led, like, the Christian club at my middle school. Like, you have no idea. And so this is just, like, a whole new world for me. And uh, so learn how to trash talk, learn how to throw shit back and, like, guys will hear my voice or see my tag or my handle or whatever. Um, and like say shit. And I'm like, you know what, motherfucker, when you're on the top of the scoreboard, then you can talk shit. But until you're kicking my ass, shut the fuck up. And then of course, like they get told off by a girl and all the other guys are like, Oh, (laughs) um, but so for me personally, like I just learned to have that thick skin and learn to throw back some pretty nasty retorts. Um, and so that, you know, shut it up a lot. Um, and so I, I've, you know, had a thick skin and could handle a lot of that, but that isn't the case for everybody. And it's not fair to say what worked for me as a woman should have to be what all women have to have to do to survive. And I don't believe in that at all. Um, but anyway, this is, that was my norm, right? For years. And, um, there was one time I was hanging out with a group of friends in IRC and we were just like talking and, and my friend Jasper pops in and she's like, ha ha, I just got another message. It's funny. I'm always either fat, ugly, or a slut. And one of our other friends, um, Grace or GTZ, was like, "What are you talking about? She never played online, so she was completely unaware of this like trash talking phenomenon or like sexist crap that we dealt with playing online games." And she's like, "Oh my god, this happens!" And we're like, "Haha, yeah." Like, and this was still, like, MySpace was still around. My girlfriends and I had, like, MySpace galleries of dick pics we had gotten on Xbox Live that we would make fun of and, like, caption and be like, ha funny, this one looks like a penis, only smaller. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but this was, like, mind-blowing to our friend who had never played online. And she's like, oh, my God, you guys, we need to make a website or something. Uh, and so that was the birth of our website, com, And so... It's a website that, like, I built and uh, one of our friends like did some of the backend for. And we basically just like would take submissions from people of screenshots of sexist messages and we would catalog them on this website and put them in different categories, like related to what kind of insult they were. Um, but we would also tag the person who sent them. Um, so in SEO, like if they're trying to like put out a montage or whatever to show what a good gamer they are, like we're going to tag them with their gamer tag, putting this abuse out there. So if somebody's looking for their montage, they're also going to find out what dirty little things they send women on Xbox live. Um, and so we built this website kind of like as a joke. Cause we're like, ha wouldn't this be hilarious? But then like, Hey guys were like, Oh my God, this happens. I'm so sorry for all men. Like, I can't believe this happens. And we're like, okay, this has been my norm for like my entire gaming life. Right. Um, but I mean, like we were on the front page of New York times. We, uh, hit the front page of Reddit, which crashed our site. Um, <laughs> uh, we did a penny arcade expo panel, which like freaking sold out. The room was like, Pool with like lines of hundreds of hundreds of people out the door, um, so it was a really cool like kind of thing we did to make the internet aware that this was an issue, but also do it in, like a really fun, humorous way. That's
0: that's horrifying. <laughs> I, but but I love I love this concept of like taking something that's shitty and turning it into an internet joke. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that a fantastic response to it. Like, so many people would just get like just over the top angry or offended or withdraw or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like taking it and putting a humorous spin on it and flipping it back and just saying, listen, this is ridiculous. But like, it's also like really funny. Uh, These people are so over the top. Like why, why does this thing exist? Let's all laugh at them. Yeah. I think that is, that is perfect.
2: That well, is one so of the perfect. Cool things is like a lot of women like would start commenting on our post, and they're like, "Oh my god, I thought I was the only one this happened to." Like, you're making me feel so much better that I'm not the only one. And so it's good for solidarity for women to like at least get a little fortitude from understanding. No, nope, no, nope, this is kind of shit that we all deal with.
0: So, how is this? Maybe it isn't. Is this changing at all with like? um, multimedia streaming, all of this stuff that's happening right now in the gaming world with Twitch and like people like live broadcasting stuff. Um, is it changing at
2: all? Um, I'm not sure. Like I can tell you from even the time like that I started playing on Xbox Live to the time that we built Fat or Slutty, the amount of harassment I got like had reduced dramatically. And I think part of that is just because people realized, oh, women exist. Sometimes they're on the internet. Um, but like our website had a serious impact. Like we were um, we were at, uh GDC one year and we were actually hanging out with a couple guys from Bungie who um you know they were working on Halo 3 at the time and we let them put uh, or they we put um the audio on the tv and so we had our headsets on as women and we're playing in the hotel room and they're hearing the kind of shit that we get from men and they're like oh my fucking god and so that's why you couldn't hear players on the other team via voice chat in Halo 3 um, is because they had learned from our experiences. And so it was really cool to have an impact and have game developers actually pay attention. Um, Xbox live, they found out about our website and they really started tamping like stamping down on, um, abusive behavior and like updated the reporting process and did a lot of good stuff. Um, uh, riot games, which has their own internal drama. I don't know if you saw or not, but, um, they did a lot of research cause, and this was like years after, um, like federally or slutty's heyday, but they did a lot of like data science work on curbing player behavior and curbing toxicity. So I think like as a whole, it's improving. Um, That being said, I don't know. Twitch terrifies me. I haven't gotten onto that, that bandwagon yet. Um, But I've heard some things.
0: I, I played a lot of counter-strike when I, when I was in high school and Several times in my adult life, I've tried to go back to it and like, oh, I just I remember it being so fun and I want to go back and play. And I'm I'm terrible because, you know, I I haven't played in a long, long time. But the thing that kicks me away from it to this day is still the online community. Really? I, I listen to the people talking and they're all like. The most racist, sexist, bigoted, awful people I have ever encountered. And I'm just oh. like, I can't even sit here. Like, it's not directed at me. Yeah. But I can't even sit here and listen to to it. And mm. I've I've quit every time. And that's happened with both the new Counter, or like Counter-Strike. I think there's Counter-Strike and Counter-Strike Go. And then I played it with Fortnite and I played it with PUBG. And it was, I heard it in all four. Damn.
2: Um,
0: and so I'm back to single player games again.
2: Uh. Don't play Halo with me. Because
0: people, <laughs> people suck.
2: Oh, people suck. But I mean, like, I feel like people like to blame the internet or blame, like, video games. But this is a reflection of humanity, y'all. Like,
0: Yeah, I didn't know, say games suck. More... I said people suck. Yeah. I just don't want to talk to people.
2: Yeah. <laughs> anyway.
0: So is it all Halo for you? Is that is that still your game?
2: God, I tried Fortnite. And, like, I'm too fucking old for that shit. Like, and just mm. <laughs> Um, not a huge fan of, um, God, what's the other one that I'm blanking on right now? That's like team fortress, uh, overwatch. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Not my thing. Um, the hubs and I will do destiny off and on. Like when I'm not traveling at conferences, like a crazy person, um,
0: See, destiny, I have the same problem with destiny that I actually have with halo. Yeah. That so many of the levels are just like copy, paste, copy, paste, copy. Like I'm running through the same goddamn cave for like fucking hours. But I mean, that's
2: <laughs> kind of like World of Warcraft.
0: Yeah, I don't really play World of Warcraft. <laughs>
2: oh, okay. I, I, I did some wow in my days. Um, yeah, I was gonna say something and I just spaced. Meh. Oh, that's what I was gonna say, is I also um, like a while ago, like drunkenly ordered Donkey Kong 64. <laughs>
0: Why does that even need to be a drunken order? That sounds totally. I don't know,
2: legit. but like, sober me was super fucking excited when this random package from Amazon arrived. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, uh, I'm I'm gonna use this perfect opportunity to actually like uh, promote a friend of mine's game. that's like the uh, this awesome party game that you should
2: ooh, buy. Ooh! If, if
0: you have a, you, I assume you have a Nintendo Switch because you ordered Donkey Kong.
2: No, th- uh, this is N no. sixty four. Oh, so you like old have- school.
0: Well it's it's out on Switch now. It's called okay, Jog- well- it's called Joggernauts. And I'll put a link in the show notes, Joggernauts. And it's a like co- a, like collaborative game. So you all get like really drunk and you're all playing, and it's just a side scroller, but everybody is good like you don't get to control the pace. Like the characters are moving forward at this pace. And you just have to switch so that the right color is in the front. And so that's the only control you have is whether or not you are in the front. And it is so infuriating yelling at other drunk people in your party, like hurry up and get to the front, get to the front. And it is, it is a super, super fun game.
2: That sounds fantastic. And I will now endorse my husband buying a switch. Cause he's like, I want to buy a switch. And I'm like, you barely play half the shit you have. Um, but that reminds oh, there, me. There uh, are so
0: many cool infuriating, like games, uh, uh, like party games for
2: switch. Peggle. Uh Uh-uh. Okay, Uh -uh. so Peggle came... It's it's stupid. It's not worthy of being, like, a game on, like, a big platform, right? Um, Because, like, you shoot the thing and you're trying to, like, I don't know, like, light up all the things. Anyway, most infuriating game. Like, we would scream at each other playing against each other more than we ever did in Halo. It's hilarious. What's it called? Peggle? Peggle. And there's, like, a unicorn and, like, it's, like, completely stoned people made this game um but yeah it was like super infuriating to play against other people maybe it was title two is that the one on xbox live i'm googling now
0: yeah this doesn't look like it has anything to do with unicorns It kind of looks like pinball
2: yeah it's like that but there's like different characters you can play and they have like different abilities
0: all right well then that is it
2: yes okay yeah definitely that was good Ooh, also um battle block theater there's another good one for a group of people I feel like this would appeal to you because, like, it's done by Behemoth Studios, but, like, again, like, some of the stuff, like, is, you're, like, how high were these developers when they were writing this? Um,
0: (laughs) How do you stay high consistently that long to, to write and publish a whole video game?
2: Like, the first boss fight is, like, this, like, terrifying creature coming through the forest, and, like, so it starts shaking, and the screen starts shaking, and all the animals in the forest, like, get scared, and there's this deer, and it starts, like, shitting, and there's shit, oh, like... Oh, <laughs> oh, you're, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about, um, uh, uh... Oh, Castle, Castle Crashers. Crashers. Sorry, Battle Block Theater is their newest game, but yeah.
0: Battle Walk Theater is the new Castle Crashers.
2: Yes, um... Possibly crazier, like not quite as cute. Like I really like um, the knights and castle crashers, but um, Battle Block Theater is pretty entertaining. I will have to check that out. I feel like we're gonna have to like do a game night after this.
0: I think so. Yes, it totally looks like it. I can't find a good link, but I found a video. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I think we've devolved into <laughs> gaming gossip at this. <laughs> Just just bullshitting at this point. So let's uh, let's outro the show. And do our takeaways, David. What was your key takeaway for the show? I have two takeaways.
1: The first is that when people ask me which one of us is the script and which one of us is the style, I always thought I'd be the style, but it sounds like you're not writing much JavaScript. So you're the style.
0: I suppose I, I suppose that might that might be true. Uh, I do I do avoid writing JavaScript until I absolutely have to. If I can solve a problem with HTML and CSS, I do that first.
1: That's a fair point. My biggest takeaway is that um, KC Women in Tech sounds amazing. I, you see the name, and you get the impression that it's it's like a, a local Madison meetup. Well, not Madison, obviously, but like a local meetup. Um, but the fact that you know you have these programs for kids and um, you know the, the the different ways that you can. Experience it. It's it's awesome. It's awesome. I'm gonna look for something around here for my kids because I think that would be would be great. And I always try and get my wife to do a little bit of code, but she doesn't seem interested. Maybe maybe I can get her to do something like that. But again, Casey Women Code sounds amazing. It sounds so cool. Um, and thank you so much, Jennifer, for creating it. Todd, how about yourself?
0: I I really love um, Jennifer's attitude that went into making fat, ugly, or slutty. I I just have a special place in my heart for taking something that is upsetting and turning it into an internet joke. Anything that results in an internet joke is is good for me. But taking <laughs> see, if it was something neutral and turning it into an internet joke, I'd love it. If it's taking something that's awful and turning it into an internet joke, that's that's even better. And the internet it was this is the perfect platform for jokes. You have, it requires so, you can do so little commitment and make a funny joke and you can do astronomically huge amounts of commitment and make a funny joke on the internet. And I think this is perfect. This was a, a perfect solution to that. Jennifer, you,
2: what was oh, your key? Takeaways? Yeah.
0: What's the takeaway or anything else you would like to plug?
2: I don't know. I'm still a little upset that you haven't had kombucha before. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, we'll I, just have to fix that.
2: I know. I, I'm a kombucha pusher. I'm like, no, you haven't lived until you've tried kombucha. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're such a millennial. <laughs> oh,
2: I know. So fucking obnoxious. <laughs> Let me go get my avocado toast.
0: <laughs> you said it.
2: <laughs> uh, actually, any, com-
0: any conversations about millennials should be measured in time to avocado toast. Like, how, how many sentences does it take before we get to avocado
2: <laughs> Oh, my God. That's fantastic. <laughs> yep. All right.
0: So your takeaway is that Todd needs to have kombucha. Yes. All right. The good takeaway. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show. We Thanks had a for great, me. We had a great show about gaming and Casey Women in Tech and jumping in React and Gatsby and all kinds of stuff. Uh, we'll post up the show notes with links to everything in the YouTube channel here in a few minutes. Um, How should listeners get in touch with you if they'd like to learn more about you or your work?
2: Um, Definitely on Twitter, like OMG, it's Fetty. I make no apologies for live tweeting The Bachelor when it starts up in January um, or my website, JenniferWadella.com.
0: Awesome, thank you so much. We are off next week Well, David is off in Orlando visiting warmer climates, but we will be back soon the following week. If there's anything that you would like us to discuss or a guest you'd like us to talk with, please let us know on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Todd Gardner. I'm David Walsh. See you later. Adios. The Script and Style Show is recorded and produced by David Walsh and Todd Gardner. We'll see you next time on Scripted Style.